You are in for an absolute treat today. I'm super excited about today's episode. Today with me, I have Deb Field. And Deb is a seasoned professional who has been creating, shaping, and transforming businesses for decades. She's a life coach and business consultant with a passion for sustainable health in life, relationships, and business. Deb has worked for many large corporations, entrepreneurs, and medium-scale manufacturing organizations. She knows the power of a positive culture and actively works with people to create incredible results. Okay, gang, I hope you're ready because this episode is really very tactical, very powerful, and Deb shares some amazing insights And I can't wait for you to listen to the episode. So let's jump in. As Christian women in leadership, we often find ourselves struggling with the balance between implementing faith-based leadership principles and the worldly perspectives of our colleagues and team members. You once felt passionate about leadership, but have often come up against people with fixed mindsets who are unwilling to change. You feel like giving up and stepping out of your leadership role because... Is it really worth it? Friend, you're in the right place. Here we're not only going to talk about the challenges, we're going to tackle them head on with a faith-based approach that's both practical and empowering. So, if you're ready to transform your leadership journey, to set boundaries that make a real impact, and to create a workplace culture where both you and your team can thrive, then join me in uncovering the strategies, wisdom, and godly guidance that will lead you to success. I'm Rika Whelan, and welcome to the Woman of Faith in Leadership podcast. Together, we're going to navigate leadership with faith as our foundation. Let's get started. Grab your coffee or water, keep that notebook and pen handy, and let's jumpstart your leadership. Welcome to the Woman of Faith in Leadership podcast. Deb, how are you? Hi, Rika. I am doing fantastic, and thank you for uh, asking me to come on board and, and have a chat. Not a problem at all. It's always fun to have people uh, guesting on the podcast, and not for the listeners who just only listen to my voice, but to other people as well. So, Deb, apart from your bio, who is Deb? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, currently, I'm a, in a bit of a pivot because I'm shifting from that quite corporate arena into more of working with individuals in business but I do that from my home up on the central coast of Sydney which is about 100 k's north. We look out you know across the trees and through to the ocean and it's really a lovely place to work and I think that sort of trumps the um, the old version of me that used to travel into the city each day and work long hours with large corporates and um, I'm looking forward to the times now with my entrepreneurs and my business owners and taking them on a journey. Plus, I would run a million miles for a great veggie burger. So that's probably me in a nutshell. I can add on there that I'm also a mum. I'm a part, I've got a beautiful husband. We have a new puppy, a cavoodle, and pretty happy. Life is good. Sounds absolutely wonderful. I I just had this picture of your beautiful surroundings in my mind and I thought, wow, that must be the most amazing place to work. I'm in a concrete jungle, so I don't don't have those beautiful views. So (laughs) that sounds amazing. Well, today we're talking about workplace culture and workplace culture is one of the pillars of this 
podcast and I um I think the listeners already you guys you are, you understand how important workplace culture is and my stance and my viewpoint on workplace culture. But Deb, I'd like to invite you to talk about workplace culture. Why don't you tell us what does workplace culture mean to you? Workplace culture for me is a living, breathing energy. It's you can almost feel it when you go into the office, whether things are going well or people are okay or something's happened from a workplace perspective. Um, you know, it's not dissimilar to walking into your family home or to a friend's place when things feel not okay. So I think if you, you know, if if you if you're attuned to that type of thing, you can really feel it. And you know, you have this experience of people, you know, moving with it. I think an energy can pick you up and take you with it. So yeah, I find it's it's an energy and you know, in the large corporations with so many people working in offices, although, you know, we have a shift now with, you know, the COVID changes where people are now doing a lot of work from home, that now adds another bit of complexity into the culture. But I will say from my experience that made our workplace culture better. I'm not sure. Have you had that experience yourself at all? I agree with you because I think people had gained perspective on what's important and because they now understand what's important, they put a lot more effort into workplace culture because they actually want to come to an environment where they like coming to work because otherwise they can just stay home the whole day long in their PJs and do their work. But if you have to come into the workplace, you actually at least want it to be enjoyable. 100% agree. And I think too, the other thing that I've noticed too is um, I don't, if you've ever been on a holiday with a friend and they're your dearest friend and yet you spend confined time with them for two weeks, <laughs> those little niggling bits of each of your characters can actually create a different dynamic than what you would have had if you see them only irregularly. And so I feel that the change in the COVID situation with people doing some time at home is giving a bit of a break to dynamics that can form, which then can start to create um, those cultural shifts or those kind of cultural um, hiccups or speed bumps that we sometimes feel when when a dynamic in an office can form. And I know we're going to dive a little deeper into some of the really um, extreme impacts on culture today. But I find that this change with COVID has given us time to also remove that element of those dynamics that are a daily thing and get back to kind of the, the focus of the meeting or the focus of the conversation. Um, uh, yeah, I just think it's a benefit, actually. And I, I think, you know, we'll look back in time and see this as a possibly a cultural shift that needed to happen. Yeah, what you're saying is so true. And I actually never thought about it that way because. We spend so much time together at work with these with everyone. And I've said that on the podcast before, but what I hadn't noticed, so that's such a good point that you're making, is the break in you know, working from home just breaks those dynamics. Because if you work with someone for five days a week and it's it's like you said with the holiday, you can be best friends with that person. But if you're in a confined space with that person, and I've actually experienced this firsthand, if you're in a confined space with your best friend for a long period of time, it can break up the friendship or it can you know, break up those dynamics. So yeah, what a good point that you're making. Thank you very much. That was really insightful. Um, 
so what did you say just actually on that point with work with dynamics and those things that um you know we experience on a day-to-day basis with uh, people who we work with what type of workplace cultural issues have you actually experienced in the past well it's a big question rika <laughs> well you said i think being in corporate life for about 30 maybe 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 40 years um you see a lot one as a junior and then as you move through the different levels of management you see all of those cultural i'm going to say um ingredients that that start to form things that either work or don't work and you know i think gosh gossip is a great one i mean i love i love your philosophy on gossip i think when you remove that, it's such a powerful thing. And it's it takes courage. It's one of those things that takes a lot of courage. Um, so gossip is definitely one of those elements. Um, I have a feeling that the, the, the leadership styles that you see, uh, especially in, you know, I hope this doesn't sound ageist, but in the older folk, where it was a bit of a command and control in years gone by and we're shifting now to a more um, balanced style of leadership where we're including everybody. I think that cultural change had to come because we're all adults. We've all got gifts to give. We've all got our responsibilities. And when, when roles are written out very clearly for people, we can give that to them as something to hold them strong and they can thrive within that. And you know, if we change, if we shift it from that command and control to that more equal, balanced um, humans working together, just with a different level of risk and responsibility, accountability, and decision making, I think it makes for a better outcome. So I think that control and command type style of leadership was certainly something that never grew, never enabled a, a, a thriving culture to grow. It's a good one that you mentioned about the gossip and the leadership styles. I really like that. Yeah, awesome. leadership styles, I think, you know, as you, as you shift through, especially I've done a lot of work in government, in just the politics of, you know, um, folks that get into roles that perhaps they don't have the necessary people skills. I think the technical skills we, we tend to gather a lot easy, a lot easier and we take them through with us, but it's those people skills, being able to understand people, being able to read the style of person they are or the type of character they are, what drives them, what needs they have, et cetera, and knowing that someone's having a bad day. I think when we're moving people up through the ranks and we haven't either understood their level of capability and leadership or, you know, we're not we're not paying enough attention because we're so busy ourselves, et cetera, you know, we can let each other down in that respect. Absolutely. So I thought um, I was I was writing down whilst you were talking because there were so many gold nuggets there. So if we can run a little bit through um, those amazing nuggets that you've just mentioned, the first one you mentioned was gossip. So what's your take on gossip? Why does it occur, and why does it continue to occur? And why does why do leaders feel? I know there's kind of three questions, but you can just talk through gossip in general. But why do leaders think that gossip has to be tolerated? That's, you know, it, it just boggles my mind still that leaders um, are not confronting gossip head on. So what's your take on that? 
Well, that's a brilliant question, Rika. I have, I have a simple answer to that. They don't understand the damage that gossip causes. They That's one thing that could happen. Two, they might enjoy it themselves, which is very sad. Three, they may not have the courage to call it out quickly when it's occurring. And, and four, they may not have the um, knowledge to be able to upskill their, their next line of leaders into how to do the same. So I think there's four key things there. And when I look at gossip, uh, one of the things that I put in place years ago in a team that I had was a set of values that we created together. So there was myself and my leadership team. And the value that we, one of the values that we established was that we wouldn't accept that we would talk about anyone that's not in the room. It was just a simple thing. It was a value. And when that was applied, and I, I remember actually having to call it out myself, when I, there was myself and two folks in the room, and one started telling the other something not, you know, overly awful, but simply something that was accusing them of something. And I said, hold on a minute. And I, you know, you have to get your courage straight up there because it's so important it's done quickly but with respect. And I said, hold on a minute. Do you mind if we not talk about that person unless they're actually in the room? It's just a value that we have here in this team and we we really prefer to just not do that. So let's – and then I, I completely reframed us to the outcome that we were doing at the time. So for me, establishing a – value systems and values with everybody else so that when you do have that odd occasion to call people to account, it's not so difficult because you're just reminding them of a value that collectively was established. And I guess that's something that can definitely have happen when new people come on board because when you were um, talking about those set of values, my first thought was, well, what about the new person that's coming in that was not part of that initial sit-down meeting about the set of values? So how can leaders work with new employees to ensure that those set of values are a standard that they follow throughout their employee journey? I think that simply comes down to a very um, considered and well-executed, well-documented um, in um induction i think when you when you take a new employee a new team member a new leader into your organization that induction should be thorough um the values should be discussed the why what's the why behind each of those values what does it mean to the team what does it mean if we don't uphold those values how do we uphold those values what's an example of what that would look like and what you're asking them to do is to step up and uphold them. So I think it comes down to that induction. A lot of inductions these days are, hey, welcome aboard, just grab your laptop and one of the guys will be with you soon and just go through the, you know, the the induction or code of conduct documentation and we'll be with you shortly. And I personally do not think that's at all acceptable because if you're asking for a culture, you need to bring that very clearly um, well-established with heart and soul in it and and give them the very strong impression that this is how it's done here and this is what we celebrate in our teams. Amazing. Thank you so much. That was awesome. Now, just the next one that you mentioned was uh, leadership style. 
and I had a little smile when you were talking about the, the basically the authoritarian leadership style where leaders just expect, 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 but there's no give and take. And then you spoke about the ba balance, but also the inclusion and equality. So what advice can you give to a leader that is still really stuck in that authoritarian leadership style where they it's not a give and take situation. They want to be in charge. They micromanage their team and they're really actually struggling with the mindset. I know this is another big question for you, but you're the person who I can ask this question to because of your years of experience in the corporate environment. Can someone like that change? And what advice would you give to that person? I'm laughing because I just tell them to bloody stop it. Just stop it. Stop it now. <laughs> And, and, of course, that's not possible. So what you're dealing with is probably years of belief systems and training and um, self-fulfilling prophecies about, you know, their leadership style and what they do and the results they get. And what we are dealing with is a potentially a certain character type which is playing out in the, in the um, office arena. So I'm not sure if you have much experience in the Enneagram, which is a beautiful personality system, but it does talk about uh, our identity self, which is our, you know, more of our, the, the, the part of ourselves that's been created. Some people refer to the ego, that that has its own connotations. But I think it's basically how we show up in life and the identity we step into when things get a little tough. Because when things run smoothly, it's all, you know, lollipops and rainbows. <laughs> but it's when it gets tough that the true character will come out in people. And I don't know that we have enough training. And I, it's sad that I always have to go back to training, but I, I mean life training, personal development training, leadership training. It's all kinds of training um, in life, potentially even in school for us to understand how we develop as a person and how we bring our value into the world without putting those sort of, uh, what would you call them, dense personality traits without driving it through the way you would see someone who, for example, someone who feels that they're not powerful in life might show up over-powerful, over-compensating by, by taking control or demanding that, you know, or directing in a way that's um, trying to claim that power. And, and it really just comes down to someone's needs being met, someone's um, belief systems of how the world works. So I don't know that it's a real simple solution just to kind of put them through a simple little training and they'll work out their ways aren't going to work because odds are that that has worked for them forever. That has worked for them. That's why they're still in the role. and they'll continue to do it because it protects their heart and it protects their way of working and it protects their failure, I guess, as well. Fear of failure would come into a, a lot of, you know, the character traits that people may show up with at work. So big, big question. I'm not sure if I've answered it well enough. I think there's a lot all of us can learn about ourselves to improve the way we operate. And I think we're seeing that, Rico. I think we're seeing that. More so now as leaders leaders are coming through, younger leaders are coming through, 
and they've we've had the benefit of the internet, online training, things we can learn about ourselves. People talk about mental health and they talk about their identities, their egos, you know, how they are as a person a lot more. You go back 20, 30 years, that wasn't the kind of discussions people would have openly. So I think we're we're progressing and I think we'll see that phase out probably in the next generation. Yeah, you definitely answered that question very well. And I loved how you spoke about the Enneagram. I know that you are somewhat of an expert in that. So I'll get back to that point um, in a minute because I think that that's really um, some valuable information that you have there. But before we move back to the Enneagram, I wanted to just end off this section by asking you the question, how important is leadership in an organization? Well, I think this is going to there's going to be two parts to this answer i think leadership is absolutely critical you see it in sport you see it in families you see it in relationships you see it in everything you see that you know those young men that came out of the mines that got rescued you're seeing leadership and it it's not necessarily management it's leadership and it comes from the second part to my answer here is it comes from every single person at every single level of, a, of an organization it comes from the person coming in you know at the ground level and stepping up and doing what they do best and leading by example in what they do and it can be leading by what they do how they do how they speak how they reference people how they deal with gossip how they deal with things that need to be done and, oh, boy, my shift's finished, but, hey, I'm sticking around. I think leadership is holistic and it comes from, you know, that place of just wanting that outcome, which we're all agreeing to. It's something that, you know, it, it sort of gathers, as I say, its own energy, similar to a culture. I think leaders leaders is such a critical – leadership is such a critical part of an organisation and we could do a lot better on occasions I think and I think I speak for myself too there's times when I've I've failed in the way I could have led because of my own thing that's going on at home or my own egoic thing that I've got going on and I think as we mature or we we grow and we learn a bit about ourselves you, you can reflect back and go boy I could have done that a lot better you know so yeah leadership is critical in all ways in all parts of life Great. I really took a lot of value from this episode and I know the listeners would have really gained a lot of value from this basically training because it's a podcast, but it was a super duper amazing short, quick training. It was so valuable and so tactical. So thank you very much. Now, if people want to stay in touch with you, if they want to learn more about the Enneagram or if they just want to connect with you, um, in the future, you mentioned about your business and about the business owners that you will be working with or are working with at the moment. So where can people get into contact with you? At the moment, um, the easiest way to do that is to contact, is to email me. So deb at quickwinsinbusiness.com and they can contact me and certainly be notified of when the podcast goes live. It's It's mainly around exactly what we're talking about here how do we how do we elevate business and, and make the cultures absolutely sing so yeah I, I'm I'm up for that people can contact me now that'd be lovely thanks Rika that's a, that's very generous of you to even mention that 
Not a problem at all. I'm always very happy to help a fellow entrepreneur and business owner. So any last words from you, Deb, before we sign off? Oh, look, I'm just going to say, and I know I've got your listeners' ears now and they've, they've been listening to a lot of what you mentioned, that you're just brilliant at this, Victor. And I think, you know, the, the shift in culture with the information that you're bringing, especially around gossip, because I think people miss it. I think that people, you know, a lot of television is this reality TV rubbish and you can see people having these conversations which are brutal and heartless and that's happened a lot in the office space, I must admit. If I reflect back over my decades of work, boy, oh, boy, there's been some really heartless and hurtful things that I've witnessed. And for, for you to be bringing that through in such a great delivery with education, with information, with ideas for change, I just want to say good on you, girl. This is great stuff. And I, I'm so glad you've got this podcast going and you're moving through into the, all the trainings and all the beautiful tools and products that you'll be bringing to your listeners. So congratulations and, you know, thanks for having me on. It's been great. Thank you for your kind words, Deb. I'm kind of blushing here in the background, but no, <laughs> it was just really lovely to um, to be online with you, Deb, and I feel really blessed and I'm kind of getting emotional now. So um, I think this is a perfect time to start, but thank you very much. and. For all the listeners, I hope you, I know you actually enjoyed this uh, episode a lot and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. If this podcast blessed you in some way, the number one way you can thank me is by leaving a review. Your feedback means the world to me and lights me up every single time when I read it. And it makes me want to keep going. So please leave a review and your review will also help other Christian women in leadership find the answers they are looking for. So whether you're on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, scroll down to the review section and leave that review. Then head over to womenoffaithinleadership.com and join our free Facebook community. And I look forward to engaging with you there.